What's happening, everyone? Welcome to the Dirty Brawlers Podcast. Today, we will talk about UFC Nashville and the welterweight division changing completely one more time. We will also talk about WrestleMania 35 and the preview to that. And of course, we will have a brand new segment called Opening Bell. As always, we have a full menu for you, so stick around. This is the Dirty Brawlers Podcast. Here we go. From the suburbs of the beautiful city of Chicago, welcome everyone to the fourth episode of the Dirty Brawlers Podcast. My name is Alex Perez and you can follow me on Twitter at Alex Perez FC. I would also appreciate if you guys follow the show on Twitter, on Instagram, and on Facebook at Dirty Brawlers. So today, before we start with the guests and all that good stuff, I want to implement this new segment that I thought about which is called the opening bell. And it's basically a topic that I want to talk about before, again, before the guests come in and give us their thoughts on the on the certain topics. And this is just going to be me pretty much just ranting, maybe a bit of a monologue. I've always wanted to be a stand-up comedian. Not really, but that's really what it is. So how about we get to it? This is the first ever opening bell. Ryan Garcia, he is boxing's newest sensation, and what's funny, I feel a little bit identified with him, and hear me out, he is exactly one week older than I am, he was born on August 8th, 1998, I was born August 15, 1998, so I do feel a little bit identified, not so much, I definitely can't fight as good as he can, but we do have something in common, we're both Leos. I guess he has a fight coming up on Saturday night against Jose Lopez, which to be honest, no disrespect at all, but this is set up to be another win in Ryan Garcia's very, very young career, which I understand. They're taking his career lightly. They're taking it slow. They don't want to give him anyone big. There's been a lot of talks of him and Gervonta Davis possibly fighting. We know that's probably not going to happen within the next maybe two or three years. Maybe Ryan Gar- Garcia will get a big fight until he's 22 or 23. Kind of like Canelo when he got that Mayweather shot uh, back in 2013. He was about 23 years old as well. So it only makes sense for Ryan Garcia to do that and then maybe move up in weight. Because he is he's 5'9". So he's pretty big for 130 pounds. Um, even for 135, I think that's... That's pretty big for Ryan Garcia. But something that I've been noticing about Dan, uh, about Ryan Garcia, I hope I didn't say Danny Garcia previously. Something that I've noticed about Ryan Garcia is that he's been more focused on his social media game more than on improving his actual boxing game. And let me explain why. There was this massive rumor going around that Ryan Garcia had a kid and that he didn't want to recognize the baby. So, social media basically bullied him into being a responsible dad, a responsible parent. And he gave in. He decided to see the kid, and then he posted a video not too long ago of him carrying the baby. I don't know if it's a boy or a girl. I don't think it matters. That's really not the point. The point right now is that Ryan Garcia is heavily invested in his public image, heavily invested in his social media image. And you know what? When you're a professional athlete, when you're such a massive superstar at a, at such young age, 
you have to be aware of what people are saying about you, of what of what is being told, of what stories are, are, stories are being written. But the fact of the matter is this. Ryan Garcia, he's 20 years old. And he has a very bright future of, ahead of him. That is no, there's no doubt in my mind that he will be a world champion soon. Give him about, uh, give him about five years. If it's not at this weight class that he's at, maybe the one ahead. But he also has to realize that he has to surround himself with the right people. And to his credit, he did do it because he went to Canelo's camp and he did exactly what he had to do. He said, you know what, maybe at the camp that I'm at right now, I'm not getting the sufficient knowledge to be of an elite fighter because, you know, being completely honest, he wasn't facing anyone, anyone elite and he's still not facing anyone elite, but at least he is in training with Canelo Alvarez. He sees him every day. He might not spar him. He might be too big for him even, even to spar, but... He sees what Canelo does. He sees what a world champion, a multiple weight, multiple time world champion does to train. And he sees a regiment. He, he, he sees absolutely everything that he does. So I think that was a great move. But he needs people that will keep his feet on the ground. He needs people to let him know, hey, man, don't focus about anything that they're saying out there. What really matters is in here and what really matters are your fists because that is what's going to get you over the top that's what's going to get you to an elite level and it's going to get you a very very comfortable lifestyle again i don't know how many times i've mentioned this but he's only 20 years old he is only 20 years old he has a incredibly bright future ahead of him he's skilled he's talented he has the it factor he is you know not to get confused with anything else. He's a good-looking dude, okay? He probably shouldn't be doing boxing in the first place, but he has hands, man. This dude has speed. And he does have a couple things that he can tweak here and there. That's that's perfectly acceptable. You know, maybe keep his chin a little bit lower, but who am I to tell him, right? So if Ryan Garcia can get his, his feet on the ground again and he can realize that social media isn't really the real world and he can really 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 change not not change but improve his game and become an elite fighter we're gonna see ryan garcia for the next 20 years if all goes well which i think he will he just has to surround himself with the right people and do the right thing so ryan garcia if you want to take advice from someone that's a week younger than you right here man Mike Strauss joining the Dirty Brawlers podcast one more time today to talk about UFC Nashville, UFC Philadelphia, aka UFC on ESPN2, and of course we're going to talk about the UFC's move, uh, their pay-per-views are moving to ESPN+. Mike, how you doing my man? I'm doing good man, thanks for having me back. You already know brother, alright, let's talk about the most recent thing that we have seen which was uh, the fights last night. It feels like every weekend the landscape in the welterweight division is changing. Uh, last week we had uh, Darren Till getting knocked the fuck out. Uh, Jorge Masvidal just he, he put himself right into the discussion. And now we have another guy that puts himself in the discussion at welterweight. What did you make of this massive victory from Anthony Pettis? Yeah, I mean, it was totally unexpected, right? I mean, 
I know I didn't see it coming. Uh, hats off to uh, Chael Sonnen because I watched a prediction piece that he made on the fight, and he he called it. He said uh, he said he believes that that fight was going to end just like the Masvidal Till fight did, and it it did. It ended almost exactly like it, except for Masvidal threw a left hook and Pettis threw like a Superman right. So other than that, I mean, it was identical, but. Um, yeah, man. I mean, you said you now he's right in contention. I mean, I believe, I believe that Thompson was the number third ranked welterweight in the world. So yeah, all of a sudden Pettis is right there in the mix of it, man. It's crazy, crazy sport. It is. There, there's no right or wrong answer in, in this sport. And I'm surprised Chael Sonnen made a right prediction. He's usually not that good with his predictions, but, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you mentioned right now that Anthony Pettis just beat number three or number four, whatever whatever his ranking was, was keyword for uh, Stephen Thompson. So now do you think Anthony Pettis can make a decent run at 170? He did mention that maybe he wanted to go down to 155. Um, what What's next for him? What's next for, for Showtime? Man, um, you know, I think to answer your first question, I think that he could probably make a decent run in the welterweight division. I like him there. I think that's probably where he belongs. Not just because of, you know, not just because he's a little bit older in his career, but I think you're seeing like a tendency with fighters to, to kind of take the one FC philosophy, which is kind of just moving up one weight instead of cutting all that extra weight. You're seeing guys like, um, like Steven Thompson uh, like Rafael Dos Sanos, you're seeing a lot of these guys do it to to a to a crazy degree, right? Anthony Smith is another one that took it all the way, his run all the way to a title shot. So, um, yeah, I think he could definitely make a run. I still think he's a bit undersized for the division, though. I'd like to see a rematch with Rafael Dos Sanos. Now, uh, I, I say that because, of course, they fought at uh, at lightweight when when Pettis was the champion and RDA came there and just beat the shit out of me, it was a mauling, but I would like to see that fight at welterweight. And I know, I believe that uh, RDA has a matchup with Kevin Lee on ESPN plus nine in May. So that probably isn't going to happen, but maybe, maybe you keep Pettis as like a, uh, in case something happens to one of those guys, that'd be, that'd be a good idea. Yeah. And again, it just completely changes the landscape again of the welterweight division. So, we talked about Anthony Pettis, so now what's next for Steven Thompson? He just got knocked out cold. No one expected it. What What's next for, for Wonderboy? Yeah, it's tough, man. Uh, as you mentioned, no one really expected it. Um, you know, he looked good in the first round. I had him winning not by, you know, nothing exceptional, but definitely had him kind of winning a point fight until he got knocked out. But I still think he is, you know, one of the better guys in the welterweight division. I don't know what would really make sense for him. <clears throat> Maybe like a Santiago Ponzinibbio, something like that. That might be fun, depending on what they do with Askren and the Robbie Lawler rematch. Maybe he gets the other guy there, something like that, maybe. It's always interesting to see how guys come back from a KO loss. So it's definitely going to be very, very intriguing to see how, how Thompson bounces back from, from this catastrophic loss. How about how about you put him, how about you rematch Darren Till? And uh, and Stephen Thompson, mm, I like that. yeah, they, they just fought in England. It was a very close fight, and Till got the nod because it was in England, and they're both coming off brutal knockouts. 
put him, you know, run that back. That may, that might make the most sense, right? That actually makes perfect sense. That makes yeah. perfect sense. So I I I think you you hit it right on the head, man. So uh, all right. Well, UFC Nashville. It was a solid card, you know. Um, other takeaways: Curtis Blades, Chicago native. He he got a win. What else did you think about this about this UFC Nashville card? Yeah, you know, as you mentioned, uh, Curtis Blades got a win. That was a, a solid victory for him. Nothing too impressive, though, for Curtis. You know, he just kind of, you know, he just does his thing. Um, but, you know, regardless, it's still a win, and he's still one step closer to where he wants to be. Um, you know, what, I, what I'd like to see, I, have, I just wrote a piece for uh, BJPenn.com. I don't think it's out yet. It's, uh, it's the biggest winners from UFC Nashville, and Curtis is on there, and I'd like to see, I don't know if it would be possible because it's kind of a quick turnaround, but fighters have, of course, done way quicker. I'd like to see Curtis right back at it at UFC Chicago, UFC 238 in Chicago against Stipe Miocic. Why not? Oh, my God. (laughs) Wow. If you look at the the rankings, man, I mean, it makes sense, right? Because Stipe sitting as the number one guy and Curtis was four before last night. So it makes sense. The only two losses on Curtis's record, he's a he's a Curtis Blades is eleven and two. His only two defeats have been by one guy, Francis. So I think that that Stipe fight makes sense. Do it in Chicago. Stipe's from Cleveland, and Curtis from Chicago. That's a huge Midwest fight. I think that can maybe even headline that. That's massive. You're right. That's massive. You just put together two incredible matchups like back to back, dude. UFC is going to sign you. <laughs> They're gonna sign you up. <laughs> All right. Well, moving on to UFC Philadelphia now. Uh, just back to back good cards. Uh, besides the main event, Mike, what else intrigues you? What What else are you interested in for this card next weekend? Ooh, you know, when I was taking a look at this uh, at this card, trying to make my my picks, the first thing that that immediately jumped out at me is. Is the main card how tough the picks are, how tough the fights are to pick. But I know you said besides the main card. So looking a little bit deeper, it's it's a really sneaky good card, man. It really is. Uh, you know, the, the last two fights and the prelims really catch my eye. That, of course, is Jessica Aguilar against Mariana Rodriguez. But the fight that is really kind of piquing my interest is the one right before that, the Ross Pearson and Desmond Green. Both of those guys, I feel, probably are at different points in their career. Ross Pearson's on his way, you know, right down. And uh, Des Green, I feel like he was on a on a on a a very good trajectory, but then he kind of he had an unfortunate accident where you know I don't know the legalities of it, but he was charged and some things, and he kind of like you know that kind of stubbed stuttered his career a little bit. But I want to see where he's at. You know, he trains down at American top team. So he's definitely got a good team behind him. So I want, that's a, that's a big fight because if, if the old guy of Pearson could pull a rabbit out of his ass, dude, that might be the end of the UFC for Des Green, you know? So that, that's one to keep an eye out for. Also, um, your brother from another mother, man, Alex Perez, he is set to kick off the, the whole night of fights. I just got to speak with him. Mm-hmm. I put the, I think I just put the interview out to a couple of days ago. Real cool dude, man. Uh, check that out. And, uh, He's he's got his hands full, man. He's going against Mark Delarosa, who's eleven and one. So uh, that's another fight that that I think has got a lot of potential to be fun. Yes, I did hear that interview. That's on your YouTube channel, correct? Yes, it is there. 
All right. Alex Perez. I'm rooting for him. That's for sure. <laughs> um, a fight that I'm looking at, very interested, is uh, Kovacavich versus Watterson. Kovacavich, yeah. last time we saw her, she got her lights just shut off completely. Um, and then Watterson, she has back-to-back wins. So that's always interesting. And then the girls always brawl. So that's fun. The You know, if men's MMA is unpredictable, women's MMA is like a whole nother level of unpredictability. So that's going to be a really, really good fight. And again, it goes back to what I said about Steven Thompson. How can a fighter bounce back after a knockout loss? So Kovalkiewicz, I'm definitely looking out for and seeing how how she responds to that loss. And of course, she was in a title fight, what, like two and a half years ago? So, yeah, recently. Yeah, so I mean, she kind of took a bit of a slump there, but we'll see how she bounces back. Uh, anyway, now... We'll the whole about, main card, yeah. The whole main card is super hard to like to pick when you're looking at the matchups. It's like, oh, every one of those main card fights is really exciting, man. It's gonna be definitely if, if you got shit to do, I understand. But that main card, you should make time to watch because that's gonna be exciting for sure. And it's on ESPN, the yeah. the, the mothership, right? Nice, yeah. awesome. Um, well, the main event, Edson Barbosa, Justin Gaethje. Uh, isn't Justin Gaethje like the the UFC champion of violence or some shit like that after he beat uh, Eddie Alvarez? <laughs> yeah, right. Well, yeah, Justin Gaethje, and then what after what Barbosa did to to Hooker, he's got more he's got more body kick. Like uh, people give up due to body kicks more. Like it's ridiculous what Edson does to people, man, with his feet. So. I, I, if this, I know people say it all the time, you know, don't blink. This has got to end in a, in a knockout. And then it goes, we've all seen it. It goes the, the fucking, you know, 25 minutes is boring as shit. Fans are booing. It's just, but I can't possibly see any way this fight is boring, right? There's just no way. No, no way at all. Because Justin Gaethje, I mean, he, he'll leave it as all in the octagon. And then that's in Barbosa with those disgusting kicks that he has to the leg, to the body, to, to the head. It just makes a very intriguing matchup. So I'm going to put you on the spot here, Mike. Who do you think is going to win? The main event? Yeah. Ooh, this, is, this is tough. I, I kind of tried to, to think about how this would go. You know, Gaethje likes to get inside. He likes to wait inside. He kind of likes to do his damage there. Barbosa, with his feet, he's very good at keeping guys at range, keeping guys at distance. I think Gaethje is going to be able to weather the storm, eat a lot of those at first. But Barbosa's not going to go anywhere, and Gaethje's not going to go anywhere, right? So something has to give eventually. And I don't think, and, and the time is always an option, but I said, I don't think that's really going to come into play here. I think Barbosa is going to do what a couple guys have been able to. People have kind of seen the chink in Gaethje's armor, you know? And I think Barbosa is going to be able to kind of exploit that in these later rounds, maybe the third round. I think that. Gaethje's going to fall victim to him just being such a fucking animal. So, yeah, I think Barbosa's probably going to get this one done. You know what? I'm going to have to agree with you on that one. I, I really do. Barbosa has more more weapons to win to win this one. But still, man, it's it's so incredible to think about, about this fight, the magnitude, the amount of violence. Of course, this is a violent sport as it is. So now you put mm-hmm. these two guys... Don't give a shit about anything, and they're they're just gonna just blow the roof off of the place. It, it's gonna be incredible. Um, that's this Saturday, and uh, staying on the realm of UFC, ESPN Plus, all that good stuff. 
just recently, Dana White announced that all the pay-per-views are now going to be streamed on ESPN+. Plus. I got to say, I think that is a very good move for for UFC, for, for the fans, and for ESPN, of course. They get more exposure, more coverage, as if they need it anymore. What did you think of uh, of that initially when you first heard the news? Yeah, I thought it was. Uh, I really, I thought it was a good deal. It really didn't affect me personally too much. I'm already a ESPN Plus subscriber. I subscribe to Fight Pass. I buy all the pay per views. So whatever the fuck you know. But I think all in all, it is a good thing. It kind of, it does kind of put everything under one roof. And the natural question is, well, why do I need Fight Pass then? You know, you know there. And the answer, I guess, to that is they give you just enough, right? They they put just enough content. They keep just enough shit on there to where you don't want it, to where it's worth a couple bucks a month for you, you know? Um, I think ultimately they're probably going to do away with that. We'll see. I think they're going to drive everything to the to the UFC, to uh, ESPN Plus, you know? I like it. It's going to be a little bit cheaper, too. So what's, there not, what's not to like about it, you know? Everything is going to be under one place. It's going to be a little bit cheaper for you. So... Yeah, at the end of the day, I mean, it's a good thing, I think. I, on a similar note, uh, I think it's fair to point out that DAZN, which is the boxing and uh, the streaming platform for a lot of boxing shows and mm-hmm. Bellator and Combate, uh, their, their, price ta- their price point is $9.99. However, they are raising their price to $20 a month. But if you already are a subscriber, you're grandfathered in for one year, but you will have to come up to that $20 a month. But... Here's the thing with that now. You have the option to pay $99 a month instead of paying the $20 a month. So it actually works out to be cheaper. So you're seeing these, you're basically what you're seeing is streaming is the way of the future for our sport, mixed martial arts. Yeah, exactly. And that's actually, you know, for every sport, if you think about it, because uh, me being a soccer fan, there's a lot of streaming now involved in soccer espn plus has the rights to the italian league they have the rights to some national teams and all of that so espn plus is taking over the zone in other countries they have a lot of soccer as well and then uh i think the ufc was broadcasted on the zone in other countries like way before espn plus and all of that even came into the picture so this is going towards that direction like you said everything is going to be online streamed so what what does this do for the pay-per-view business? I think that was the final nail in the coffin, man. What else can they possibly put on pay-per-view now? Well, they're still going to have, you know, the big the big shows are still going to be on pay-per-view. They're they're discounted for you though now. So, you know, since you have to subscribe to the ESPN Plus, I think they're dropping the price point 10 bucks for like HD is going to be good on 10 bucks. So, I mean, um yeah, I mean, there's there's there's, there's still going to be your big time UFC shows. They're still gonna they're still gonna sell those, man. Um, hopefully, I, I mean, I can't I can't see them though dragging it out for another two more years. Basically, think of it like, have you ever washed like your car or or like just try to string out a towel? You try to string mm-hmm. out every last bit of water. Yes, that that's what the UFC is going to do to this pay-per-view model. They're going to fucking just drag, they're going to string it until they can get every dollar out of that motherfucker. And then when it's good and dry, bro, they'll cut it loose, you know? Makes sense. If there's still a way to make some money, why not Mm -hmm. take it? 
Yeah. I mean, because think about it. I mean, really think about it. I mean, it, it's free money to them, right? Because you already have to subscribe to uh, to ESPN Plus, right? To even buy it, to have the privilege to buy it. Then, if you want all the extra content, the good shit, you have to subscribe to the uh, the Fight Pass. And if you want to watch the the creme de la creme, the best mixed martial arts action in the world, you have to pay for it. And if you don't, don't go fuck yourself. But even if they sell hundred thousand pay per views. That's free money for them because they're going to put the event on anyway. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's a win, 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 win because there's so many <laughs> scenarios to win for the UFC. That's incredible. They're, they're doing an excellent job with marketing and with putting all these events together in ESPN plus me personally, I think they're doing an excellent job. I didn't think they would be able to top what Fox did for so many years, but man, I think they just, they beat them in these what three months that they've been on ESPN? It's been crazy. Short, it's crazy, right? In a short period of time, what the UFC and ESPN have been able to do is better than anything that UFC and Fox did. And in, in how many years was their deal? Nine. About yeah. The, Ridiculous. It's it, crazy. It's crazy. ESPN was so ready for it, and their coverage is good. I thought that their coverage was going to be kind of, mm-hmm. I it was going to be kind of corny, kind of lame, but it's mm-hmm. not, dude. There's mm-hmm. legit content and i know you don't like that word but there's good stuff on <laughs> you cringed a little bit didn't you um, <laughs> the, the, there's legit stuff on, on on their youtube page on twitter on facebook brett okamoto's doing an excellent job uh ariel hawani of course people hate him but he's doing his thing he's doing mm-hmm. he, he's doing great and espn and the ufc are thriving they couldn't uh, the ufc couldn't have found a better partner to do business with they're doing mm-hmm. an excellent job. They just are. All right, Mike. Thank you very much. I appreciate your time. Uh, do you want to plug away anything? I, I know we mentioned a little bit uh, your YouTube channel and your and the pages where you where you write. Uh, I just want to give a, a quick shout out to PFL. They've been fucking making the moves. They signed that deal with ESPN. Remember a while back we yes. talked about it on the first show. Mm-hmm. And um, now, man, there, you see people are starting like. A lot of people were, were questioning if PFL is going to be able to to last and do it, but now you're starting to see some real high level fighters wanting to go there. They just signed Jordan Johnson; he's a former UFC guy uh, from from Naperville, and then they also inked uh, David Mashad and then Nate Andrews. So you're seeing a lot of these these high level guys, men, wanting to go there. So I think that's cool. And also a shout out to Emmanuel Sanchez; he racked up another win in Bellator 218 last Friday. Man, he just continued to do his thing too. But yeah, you can find me. I kind of I uh, went away from the whole AKA Strauss Twenty One thing. Just going with Mike Mike MMA for now. Um, but yeah, you can find my work at BJPen.com, Low Kick, Cage Side Press, and my YouTube channel. That's it. There you go, everyone. Follow him on Twitter and uh, everywhere, everywhere, right? At Mike Mike yeah. MMA. That's the new thing. That's gonna take me a while to remember. I was so used to AKA Strauss Twenty One. <laughs> all good. All right, man. Thank you very much. Thanks, man. Nick the Lamb Day is joins the Dirty Brawlers podcast for the very first time, and uh, actually, we're going to talk about wrestling on the show. I know I I mentioned it, and I said that we were going to talk about wrestling, and we were going to talk WWE and all of that, but we haven't. So it's WrestleMania season, and who better than Nick the Lamb Day is to join the Dirty Brawlers podcast? My man, how you doing? What's up, dude? I'm doing all right. It's uh, it's one of the best times of the year. You know what I'm saying? It's not the holidays, but for wrestling fans, it's definitely the holidays. 
I prefer this over the holidays, but that's a different story. <laughs> it's also a lot cheaper on the wallet for the most part. Well, not for you because you're going to be at WrestleMania, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. I bought I bought tickets uh, way early in advance, and um, I'll be at NXT as well. I know a couple people, and uh, I've got to network with a couple people, and they blessed me with tickets for NXT, but Mania, I couldn't because Mania is like a really hot ticket, man. You know, it's become it's become like the Super Bowl of wrestling in a way where a lot of people from all over the world really treat WrestleMania as a vacation. Yeah, and it's it, it's such a big event because you have like conventions going on too and then of course NXT and and all that good stuff. By the way, if you guys don't know Nick is based out of New York, that's why he will be at WrestleMania and it, it's a approximately how how long of a drive is it from from where you're from right now to the to MetLife? So, I I grew up in Astoria, Queens. Um from there it's about I'd say 25 minutes, but I live in Long Island now. So for me to get to MetLife, it's probably about 45 minutes to an hour for the most part. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to like do the math over here and compare it to Soldier Field that's right downtown, the biggest, the closest city that I, that I live to. And, you know, we, it's approximately the same, my drive compared to, to yours. But uh, anyway, WrestleMania, what, what do you think of a, uh, of the buildup, you know, we're we're only a couple weeks out, and of course we have Brock Lesnar, Seth Rollins, Roman Reigns comes back. He's he's healthy now, and uh, you have the the women's title and with with Ronda Rousey and Becky Lynch and all that good stuff. What do you make of this of this buildup? I feel like as it's gotten closer, a lot of it has grown a little stale for the most part. Um, the Becky Rousey flair dynamic is, in my opinion, that should close the show because they've been building the women's division since around the the last mania really in New York was when the Undertaker CM Punk match went on and it went well over its time and they scrapped the women's match. And then that's really what jump started the whole women's evolution revolution. They've changed it so many times. I don't even know which one to refer to as, but that's when all the the hype behind give divas a chance, give women a chance, all started. So it's interesting to see it come full circle, man. Just about I want to say it was five years ago. I'm pretty sure it was 2013. I'd have to oh, is that six years? Jesus, I keep forgetting it's 2019. <laughs> but yeah, it was WrestleMania 29. It was at MetLife. I remember going to that too, and it was cold as hell. <laughs> number one. And number two, from there, man, that's really what jump-started all this. So fast forward six years later, I think the most intriguing storyline going into this event is the Raw Women's Championship match, and it should be the show closer. Okay, so staying on the topic, Becky Lynch won the Royal Rumble, didn't she? Yes, she did. And then she got kicked out of the WrestleMania match against... Well, it was supposed to be Ronda, Ronda Rousey, her opponent, right? Yeah. And then she had to fight Charlotte Flair. Well, she had to go against Charlotte Flair to get back into the match. So, does the Royal Rumble mean anything anymore? I mean, what? Like, what? I don't understand. Yeah, that. so that's why I was saying that it's grown stale and they've kind of just way too much. They've done too much to overbook things, you know? And the whole on-screen dynamic was that she, you know, Becky kept interfering and kept like running her mouth and whatnot. And 
She got suspended from Vince, taken out of the match. So they just, they're really, what they're doing is they're doing the whole, they're reliving the whole Daniel Bryan storyline from WrestleMania 30 on two different people. Becky Lynch and Kofi Kingston now. So they're just stacking the deck against them and they're putting them in all these weird situations and uh, back against the wall situations. And then from there, they got to fight their way back into it. And you're just building and building the storyline more for the payoff. But the thing is, is that sometimes it just gets so stale and it gets so just it, it, you do too much. It's over overbooking is what the wrestling term is. Yeah. So WWE has a tendency to do things to find something that works and then just do it, drive it to the ground and have it feel stale. Like like you said. So you, you mentioned something very important right now. Kofi Kingston and mm. and his title run. And his gauntlet match and everything. Do you think that Kofi Kingston is going to be the champion after Mania? Or is this just going to fall flat like a lot of stuff in WWE does nowadays? So you did bring up something really interesting. And it's true where WWE sometimes, if something happens organically, Rusev Day, uh, the Yes Movement, uh, the Summer of Punk, they tend to either do one of two things. They completely ignore it or they go all in on it. And then when they put their hands on certain things, it becomes stale and it becomes corny, right? The people, one thing about wrestling fans is they like it when it's as if they discovered it, right? So one of the big fascinations in wrestling is booing Roman Reigns. I mean, prior to him announcing leukemia and whatnot. But prior to that, it was, oh, we got to boo Roman Reigns. But in the beginning, when the Shield first debuted, Rollins, Ambrose, and, Ro- and, and Reigns, literally every wrestling fan, when you saw those three guys, would say, yo, that's the next guy. That's the next guy. That's the next guy. And it was as if WWE, for the first time in a long time, was like, oh, so that's the next guy? Bet. We got you. And then people started <laughs> hating on it, right? Mm-hmm. So... That that plays into what we were saying about how WWE sometimes they take they take an idea that that just happens and they run with it. Now what's happening with Kofi man is you know we got we got to show some love to this dude Mustafa Ali. Um, his Chicago story native. Is, Chicago native Let's was go. a police officer. Yes. Um, awesome, awesome story. You know he's battled uh, racism his whole career and still does because he's a he's a Muslim. He, he, you know he's Muslim and whatnot. And um, if you guys haven't definitely just read up on this dude he's fascinating and honestly man his story is what made me a bigger fan of his and the reason why he's relevant in this conversation right now is this guy suffered i believe a concussion and got pulled out of the gauntlet match which was slated for him to do what kofi did the guy gets hurt kofi gets inserted and then bam wildfire you know about two months ago if we were to have this conversation no one in the new day would be in the main event picture (laughs) <laughs> no, not at all, and it just shows how how quick the wrestling business changes, and it's 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 a matter of timing, like everything in life, really. But but that right there, Kofi Kingston took it, and he ran with it. And to be honest with you, I haven't really kept up with wrestling much. That's why I'm 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 asking a lot of these questions as if I was a casual, and um, you know, just just seeing Kofi Kingston, like you said, even well, two months ago was the Royal Rumble, just. Seeing where he was during the Royal Rumble, we were just expecting like him to with that that spot where he was supposed to get eliminated, then he came right back into the yeah. match, something that he always does. And now all of a sudden he's in the title picture against Daniel Bryan, 
and uh it it's crazy it's crazy what what a couple months can do in wrestling yeah and and, and so the one thing right you mentioned uh casual which is exactly what wrestlemania is slated to be you know as a wrestling fan wrestlemania we've come to understand as wrestling fans this show isn't for us and what i mean by us i mean the diehard wrestling fans shit i have a wrestling podcast so i fall into that diehard category it's for people like you uh my buddy uh my buddy who only tunes into wrestlemania and the royal rumble because he likes the you know the countdown three two one and the surprises right so wrestlemania is always made to get the casual fans to tune back in that's why they'll get celebrity appearances or they'll get a surprise uh athlete to come on you know they've had Shaq, they've had mayweather they had gronk uh, they've had so many people like and then SummerSlam is for the marks it's for it's for me it's for my buddy frank who i do this show with so the thing with kofi kingston which is pretty cool is even he's been around for so long and he always does that thing at the rumble where the casual fan really knows him and it's fun to watch, man. He's he's really fun to watch. I remember his Jamaican accent perfectly, <laughs> and I remember him with, with with his with his yellow tights and you know just with, with the with the wristbands with the Jamaican flag. <laughs> that that it's crazy how that was like a decade ago already. Um, but anyway, moving moving forward, let's talk about something that really 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 pissed me off. And this is something that we learned just last week. Kurt Angle, he's gonna have. His retirement match. We know what that means. He's going to retire for a couple years and he's going to come back. Um, but he's going to have his retirement match at WrestleMania against fucking Baron Corbin. dude. Baron mm-hmm. Corbin. Out of everyone. That roster is massive. You pick Baron Corbin. What What do you make of this? Why? Why Baron Corbin? So, storyline purposes, it makes sense because they've been feuding since December, right? Angle was the the general manager. Then Baron Corbin became the general manager. So you have that. Storyline purposes, absolutely it makes sense, right? Wrestling, wrestling purposes and meaning and having the mania moment, it makes no sense at all. Uh, everyone is outraged. It should be John Cena, yes. right? For me, I didn't want it to be John Cena about two weeks ago because when Samoa Joe won the championship, the U.S. title. I wanted an open challenge to be answered by John Cena. So you have Samoa Joe, who is absolutely ridiculous in, like, the nicest way. Like, he's the man. Samoa Joe is really, really good. And he, you know, he's probably one of the better guys. Not probably. He's definitely one of the better guys on the mic, so he could cut a hell of a promo. And it seems like he has both a WWE fan base and he has the indie marks as well. So it's a guy that both parties could get behind. When they announced Rey Mysterio as his uh, opponent for the WWE US title, right away, everyone's attention shifted to the farewell match. Angle, Cena, it just makes sense, right? Cena, the Ruthless Aggression promo, that's his first match ever was against Kurt Angle on SmackDown, and Angle put him over, which in wrestling terms, it means that, you know, he he set the next guy up. In, in the way that that's how the business is, right? The old head puts over the new head and then you you birth a new star. That's just like, it's the history of the business. It's always like that. And there's been big outrage, man. And look, the betting man that I am, I still think that we somehow get Angle Cena at Mania. Well, wasn't Cena confirmed to make a WrestleMania appearance without an opponent or, or something like that? I, I was reading this past week. So, I mean, it only makes sense. 
Yeah, I mean, dude, it would be awesome if like it. I don't know if he would do it because, uh, like. Cena isn't a guy that attacks people backstage and shit, but it would make sense if, like, you know, that match is up next and then you see Corbin is laid out in the locker room and then it's Cena's music that hits kind of thing. That'd be pretty cool. But if you're just thinking about it like a WrestleMania moment, you have Cena, you have Angle, you have the curtain call at the end. Uh, Cena maybe grabs the mic and, you know, says, yo, hell of a career, whatnot. Thank you so much, this and that. The whole line. It makes sense. And it's a more like iconic moment, right? Every WrestleMania has that WrestleMania moment. And this one would be it. And you have two legends in the game. Like Cena's still, he's a part-timer, but he can still go. Like some of his best matches of late have been of late, you know, like ever since that feud with AJ Styles and him at SummerSlam, that's one of my favorite matches. Honestly, that's my favorite match I ever saw in person. I was at that SummerSlam in uh, 2016. And he's just had monster match after monster match, and he continues to evolve. And it just it just has to be Cena for the Mania moment. Yeah, because Baron Corbin doesn't draw much attention. You know, with all due respect, I know he probably puts his work in and all of that, but with all due respect, he he, he doesn't bring in that casual fan like we were mentioning earlier. Whereas John Cena, uh, a casual fan is going to be like, oh shit, it's John Cena. I got to watch. Mm-hmm. So that's the perfect way. I, I agree with you 100%. That's the perfect way to send uh, Kurt, Kurt Angle on his way to retirement. Man, how old is Kurt Angle? He's, he looks pretty beat up, man. It's sad. Well, Kurt Angle, if, you know, for those of you that don't know, um, he's battled a lot of uh, addictions. Um, you know, he's 50 years old. I just pulled it up right now as we were discussing it, but you know, famously he was on, uh, he was on a radio show and just in passing, they were talking about painkillers and he's like, yeah, I used to pop about 50, 60 Percocets a day. And then he continued, he continued the conversation and the, the host was like, hold on, hold on, hold on. We're not just going to glance over that. Like, that's not something you just say in passing and we're not going to acknowledge. So this guy, he's been beat up, man. He's, he's gone through a lot. A lot of these wrestlers have. You know, a lot of these wrestlers have had those demons in their life. So it's nothing new, but um, it is uh, he's been through a lot, to say the least. Yeah, it's a tough, tough life, tough lifestyle to to, adapt to maintain. To. Yeah. yeah, it's really tough. Uh, moving on now, speaking of, of people who have been in the business for a long time, Triple H and mm. Batista, they're going to go at it at WrestleMania. And if I'm not mistaken, Batista hasn't had a match on TV since his return, right? Uh, he hasn't, no. And he made a brief return in uh, 2014. He won the mm-hmm. Royal Rumble. He came back, and you know he's the one that tapped out to uh, Daniel Bryan at the Mania. Um, yeah, Batista. So if you go back to the SmackDown 1000 episode, yes, they had Evolution out there, and kind of the seed was planted there, right? Triple H seems to always have a match at WrestleMania. Um, he's become like the new Undertaker in the sense where he just has like one or two matches a year for the most part, and it means a lot more because it is Triple H. And he planted the seed there where he said, you know, uh, um, Triple H is the man, this and that, basically, just reiterating, but, you know, he's never beaten me. And it was just over there, like, I was better than you kind of thing. And then, you know, Ric Flair's birthday in his hometown. Um, I actually thought that it would be Becky Lynch because Becky Lynch was suspended. Right. So I kind of thought that it'd be like Becky Lynch, maybe doing something to Ric Flair to get herself inserted into the title picture again. I was right that someone did something to Flair, but I did not did not see it being Batista. 
came out of nowhere. But, you know, Batista, I feel like he was treated a little bit unfairly in his return uh, four or five years ago because he won the Rumble. And that was around the time that Punk left the WWE, right? So there was a lot of heat. And um, and Batista, he, he was just booed all the way. When Did he leave? What, uh, he left like that same summer, didn't he? he left yeah, the he WWE. didn't stay long. Yeah. He didn't stay long. He came, he came back for the Rumble. He won the Rumble. Um, he did the job for, uh, for Daniel Bryan. And then he was a part of the whole Evolution versus Shield run that was going on there. They had a couple matches on pay-per-views. And then you had the Rollins turn. But, yeah, he didn't say... I mean, Bautista was his nickname. You know, a lot of people were saying Bautista. But it all, it all stemmed from CM Punk leaving, man. CM Punk really... He really changed the business in so many different ways. And one of it was, you know, we got the Yes movement because CM Punk left. We got Batista's heel antics because uh, CM Punk left. Like, he was at the top of his game, and he left. And it kind of opened up the door to a lot of things that are still relevant today. That makes me so sad. CM Punk's my favorite wrestler of all time. Wow. Oh, he's uh, <laughs> he's number two for me, man, behind uh, Stone Cold. Stone Cold's number one, but CM Punk is definitely number two. Dude, uh, man, you should hear the CM Punk chants whenever WWE is around here. It is unbelievable how much Chicago loves CM Punk. Uh, going back yeah. to Batista and Triple H. Triple H, you know what's funny, and you always mention this. What's funny about Triple H is that he's such a heel in like on like Monday Night Raw, or if he ever appears on SmackDown, rarely. Um, but then in NXT, everyone loves him. You know, so he's well, he's going to work as a face this time because Batista, I don't think he would work as a face after attacking Ric Flair. So how do you think that dynamic is going to work with Triple H being the face, Batista being the heel? How do you think they're they're going to work their match? It's uh, it's interesting that this WrestleMania has two people working two, I guess, personas that are very rare for both of their characters. Triple H is always at his best when he's a heel unless he's with dx and he's a baby face uh so he's going to be working i believe as a baby face in this match and then the miz the miz is one of the better heels in the company and he's on this baby face run too so it's it's a unique mania where you have two guys that are doing like i don't see miz being a, a face past like SummerSlam at most you know because he's such a good bad guy and the same thing with Triple H and it's funny yeah how you know Saturdays at NXT takeovers Triple H gets one of the bigger pops at the arena and then on Sundays or Monday nights he's he gets booed out the building you know so it's always funny that's that's just the world of wrestling yeah wrestling has such a unique fan base it's it's great but you know what Uh, I'm gonna get a little bit off topic here I've I've been to I'm pretty sure you've been to many different sporting events and um I got to say, wrestling fans, I think they're the best, man, because there's no fights, like, within the crowd. Everyone's, like, one big family, and, like, for example, me being Mexican, whenever I go to a Mexico soccer game, even the Mexicans are throwing beer at each other, they're yeah. they're breaking glass, and they're, you know, they're just causing chaos, and wrestling fans, dude, it's like one big family, everyone's having fun, mm-hmm. I remember I went to my first wrestling event about two years ago. My mom would never let me go because she hates wrestling. And she hates the fact that my brother and I like wrestling. So we go and my brother was holding like his Intercontinental Championship. 
and then a guy just like approaches him and he asks him if he can hold it and he does and like he the guy was the happiest man alive just because he held the fucking intercontinental championship like that's the type of people that go to wrestling events whereas <laughs> like at a soccer game <laughs> oh let me borrow this yep well you're never gonna see it again <laughs> but yeah i always i always complain about how you know i love football but i hate going to football games for many reasons number mm-hmm. one the ticket is outrageous here in new york number two the television project uh pro- the television product excuse me is so elite it's like my favorite i mean especially with red zone and being a sports better and the daily fantasy stuff and whatnot and you know now what i you know i stream on twitch so i have two monitors at my disposal i have my laptop and i have my tv all within like three feet of me so on sundays i have you know red zone on one thing i have the giants on one tv and then i have like so many things going on and it's like i'm in the comfort of my own home i don't need to worry about chad and mike fighting behind me trying to relive their fraternity days because there seems to always be a brawl and yo i never thought about that dude but it's so true how i don't think i've ever seen a fight at a wrestling show no and i've been to i can't even tell you how many i've been to like probably over 30 in my my career in my life um so yeah man that's that's a hell of a point there yeah for sure and um you know now that that we got into it's like mainstream stuff and, and and all of that let's talk about brock lesnar i feel like he's been champion well universal champion ever since that title was was unveiled so i mean is he gonna drop the title finally? Is he gonna go to the UFC? What like what what the hell's up with Brock Lesnar? He rarely shows up anyway. So yeah, the the payoff was SummerSlam when Roman Reigns won it from Brock, and then it seemed like Brock was gonna disappear. And then a couple months later, Roman Reigns had the leukemia announcement. So they just brought Bra- ah, they brought back Brock. That's a tongue twister right yeah, there. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and they just, you know, they 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 put this strap on him there. And you know, one thing I will say, man, Brock, I think gets he gets treated unfairly from the fan base. Um, his last like handful of matches have been pretty good. They've been the better of the Brock Lesnar matches we've seen. Where in the past it used to be the same old shit, right? Twenty five suplexes, a uh, couple f fives, match over, right? And then he started throwing in like a Kimura lock every now and then. But, you know, if you go back to his match with AJ Styles at Survivor Series, I think that's the best Brock Lesnar match. And then his feuds with Roman Reigns, uh, Samoa Joe at Great Balls of Fire, uh, Finn Balor at the Rumble. It's like he's now the reports are. And, you know, I, I, I have some sources as well. Um, he picks his opponents now. So when he's feuding with certain people, they're handpicked Brock Lesnar, and that's why he's showing out a little bit more than he usually did in the past. Yeah, I mean, there there was this whole uh, thing that was going around that he didn't want to work with Ambrose or the other way around. I don't remember how it was, but that match was it was just bad, wasn't it? Yeah, that was so. That was right before Brock went. He started training for UFC 200 when he fought Mark Hunt and he got popped for the PDs. So, and that was the mania prior to that. And I believe he fought Mark Hunt in July. Uh, I think it was International Fight Week. That's always like the first or second week in July mm-hmm. uh, out in Vegas. And then, you know, WrestleMania was about three months out. And that's usually when you start training camp, when you have a scheduled uh, fight. You know, my buddy Jared Gordon, he fights in the uh, lightweight division, the 155 in the UFC. So, Usually he starts, if he gets a fight in August, he'll start training like 
early June Memorial Day weekend around there. You know, not not too intense. And then fight camp is about a week, uh, a month out, and then you ramp it up and whatnot. But for the most part, you're you're there. And I know Brock got, you know, a seven figure payday from the UFC, and he didn't want to jeopardize any of that. And he didn't bump. He didn't take any bad spots. It was a very vanilla match. You know, Ambrose's style is kind of wacky, uh, both his character and his match style. So it, it was rightfully so that Brock didn't want to do all that extra shit. Yeah, it makes sense. I'm not going to give up a seven-figure payday just to just to take a few bumps here and there. Um, but yeah. Do you think it's time for Seth Rollins to become the universal champ, or do we still have to wait a little bit more? Nah, yeah, I, I think it's definitely it's definitely time. Uh, he gets one of the better reactions in the building uh, week in week out and also he's on this baby face run which i think for you to enter that next that upper echelon of performers you need to be able to work both face and heel both good and bad guy and you know one one big conversation that we have on our wrestling show is the gauntlet match has really become the new version of the royal rumble in the sense where the guy that shows out in that match or girl that kind of puts them as the next guy up and they build momentum, you know, going back to that raw couple, you know, last year, a couple of weeks out before the Royal Rumble, Seth Rollins went like an hour and he beat Roman Reigns and he beat John Cena. And then from there, like he's been on an absolute tear. He's been probably him and AJ Styles have been the most, you know, if you go by Dave Meltzer's star ratings, like the most four star match guys consistently, no matter who it is. And then, you know, we talked about Kofi Kingston earlier. So it is time. It is time. Uh, you do need to have your champion present. You know, what else are you competing for if there's not a title to be seen on on the television product week in, week out? You just mentioned someone that we haven't talked about with this almost half hour that we've been talking. AJ Styles. He's, mm. he's going up against Randy Orton, isn't he? He's not in the, t- in the title picture this year. He's not. And, dude, let me tell you, I am very, very excited for this match. This mm-hmm. is probably the one match I am the most intrigued by, the most fascinated by. Yeah. Randy Orton, I got to say, one of my favorite wrestlers, too. He's he's awesome. The RKO, probably one of the best finishers of all time, period. Yeah. And, um, and you know, they've... I got to watch them a couple years back. They had... um. So, have you ever been to a house show? No, I haven't. I haven't. Okay, so one thing one thing about house shows and what house shows are basically is they're not televised. Mm-hmm. So it's like those like Friday, Saturdays when WWE rolls into your town. Um, there the wrestlers really get to wrestle. There's no storyline. You're not cutting promos. Uh, you might say one or two things, but there's no like video packages unless it's like, you know, I'm happy to be back in Chicago and then they'll promote the next time they come to Chicago and whatever. AJ Styles and John Cena, uh, sorry, AJ Styles and Randy Orton had a match at Madison Square Garden on a house show, and they went like 35 minutes. It's probably one of the better matches I've seen also in person. And, you know, if you, the common theme is I'm a big AJ Styles guy, and he is a guy who just has like top, top level matches with anybody. Um, and, you know, they, they cut that promo a couple weeks ago where both of them were taking shots at each other, like personal jabs. AJ Styles is like, you couldn't make it on the indies. And then Randy Orton's like, well, you're talking about me stealing a diamond cutter. You've been doing this too sweet thing, you and all your indie buddies. And Randy Orton, a notorious 
indie wrestling slander guy. He just shits on the <laughs> indies uh, uh-huh. many, many times on Twitter, too. Um, so it's cool, man. And look, one thing about Randy Orton, when he doesn't give a damn, it shows in his wrestling matches. But when he does, it shows also. There's a lot of times you watch Randy Orton, and I like to compare him to like, I like to compare him to like LeBron James in a sense where he's been around for so long that you could tell like when you're watching LeBron how he shuts it off for like a half or two or like a couple week stretches, but he's still like producing, but it's not impactful. And it's the same thing with Randy Orton. He takes like months off where he just shows up. He kind of just punches in, punches out, but it seems like he's invested with this one. So I'm very excited for AJ Styles and Randy Orton. Has the makings of a very good match. 35 minutes in a house show. That is incredible. They yep. they must really like working with each other. Anything else, Nick, mm-hmm. that, that you have? Um, I know NXT TakeOver, you're going to be there. Uh, how excited are you for that? I'm pretty sure you're very excited. Yeah, man. NXT has become absolutely ridiculous. It's uh, So I don't watch it on a week-to-week basis, but what I do is the weekend before an NXT TakeOver, whether it's one that I attend or it's just one on TV, I'll watch back on YouTube or on WWE Network. They do like the best of NXT and I just catch up on everything. But there's a lot of guys right now, man, and in uh, NXT that are just absolutely some of my favorites. Like I love Johnny Gargano. Ricochet is dope. Uh, that's a guy who casual fans, you're going to get behind because the dude is absolutely ridiculous. Um, the rock has put him over many times, just like on Twitter and whatnot. He has a match on NXT. Uh, Adam Cole is the best Matt Riddle, former UFC guy. Uh, he's dope too. Velveteen dream. It's just like, and the women always show out too. the women's match is going to be fun. So it's very, very exciting. NXT man. It's, it's just, it's just an awesome, awesome card stacked weekend. Cause there's going to be some, some other wrestling too. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, ring of honor or well, who else is going to be having a, a big show as well that weekend? Yeah, there's the uh, the big G1 show um, the Saturday of Mania Week at the Garden, actually. Um, wow. It was supposed to be even bigger if the the uh, the AEW didn't didn't start, you know, like you would have had Kenny Omega being the elite. You would have had all those guys. So they went and started their own thing. But yeah, man, it's it, it, there is a lot of wrestling. There's uh, every indie promotion is in town too for that, so it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be an interesting weekend for sure. And you're gonna be there to live it all. Thank you very much, Nick. Do you want to plug away your social media, your shows, all that good stuff? Nah, Alex, I appreciate it, man. Anytime I can talk about wrestling, uh, I, I I rarely say no to it. So thanks for having me on, man. Yeah, just uh, at the Lamb Show is everywhere on social media, Twitter, Instagram. I'm on Twitch. Uh, feel free drop by. I'm pretty active on there, so for the most part, uh, I get back to people. Um, you know, just shoot this shit and whatnot. Thank you very much, Nick. Enjoy the shows. Enjoy. All- th- that's gonna be a long weekend, dude. Prepare. Oh yeah, I'm definitely. Uh, I- I'm starting to mentally prepare for that, without a doubt. <laughs> all right, for sure, man. Thanks a lot. And at this time, I would like to welcome Edon Curso to the show. He is a Chicago Golden Gloves winner, my man. Let me start off with this. I've been seeing some of your clips, and I would describe you as a fighter like this. Slick, efficient, you have a very tight defense, 
and you switch stances effortlessly. Would you agree with that, or how would you describe yourself? Yeah, I would agree spot on, man, especially with the switching stances. Like, that's something that my coach, like, only allows me and one other person in my gym to do. He usually has people do, like, a legit stance, you know what I mean? But he lets me play around with it. Wow. So I'll be switching stances, southpaw, orthodox, whatever. That's something that really popped into my attention because there's not many, there aren't many fighters that can do that. The only one that I can think of off the top of my head is Terrence Crawford, and that's about it. Yeah, yeah, he's so, a beast. Yeah, so that that just shows how how talented you you really are. And what impressed me the most is that right now, before we started recording, you said that you've only been competing at this level for a year. So yeah, I mean, yeah. First year, man. Is this something that, that, that you were doing as a kid or how did you even get into boxing? Dude, not at all. To be honest, I was a basketball player before I started doing boxing. The reason I did boxing is because after high school, you know what I mean? I, I wasn't playing basketball no more and I wanted to stay competitive. And I just, I was watching a lot of, like, at the time, it was uh, McGregor versus Diaz was a big thing. And those are two of my favorite fighters. And watching that, I was just like, man, I want to do that too, man. Like, just getting there and brawling it out real quick. So I just went into my gym in Flo Palatine. And they uh, they gave a free one-day class. So I went with one of my homies, and it was a free one-day class. I tested it out. And, like, I was dead after that one day. I was like, man, this is definitely for me, man. This is, like... Just, I don't know, man. Just something about boxing was just really cool to me, man. And I was, to be honest, I was more into MMA before I started doing boxing, but I just did boxing because, like, it was just, it's so hard, man. It's just, it's a dope sport. Yeah, that's for sure. And that's the perfect way to really figure out, you know, who the better, who the better fighter, who the better athlete is. There's no, yeah. there's no competition that's more pure than that. Um, speaking of competition, you were part of the Golden Gloves, uh, Golden Gloves, I'm sorry, like, um, like I mentioned earlier. And yeah. and you won at the 152-pound weight class. Yeah. How was that experience? How much did you prepare? What was your reaction when you won? Man, that was <laughs> it was crazy, man. Because first of all, before I even like signed up to do the gloves, I only had one fight on my resume, and it was a loss. I was 0-1. So I go in to register, and then uh, I show my passbook where it like, has all your records and everything. And I had this guy come up to me. He looks up to me. He's like, man, you sure you want to do this, man? Like, you just started boxing. Like, this is a big tournament. And I was just like, yeah, man, let me just try it, bro. Like, to be honest, I had a lot of people doubting me because I only had one fight. And there was, like, a bunch of, like, city kids who are studs to do, do that tournament. But I was just like, you know what, man? I could do this, man. I had my brother's friends were in it. I tried it out, man. After my first win, that's when I really knew I could, like, take it all, man. Because I, I won my first uh, win by TKO. And before I won that fight, I was just like, you know, what? I'm just doing the gloves just to see how far I can make it. You know what I mean? I never really thought I was going to win it, even though I probably should have had that mentality. But I didn't. You know what I mean? Actually, I was actually like, I was just doing it just to get experience. But I ended up, well, after that first win, man, I was like, you know, what? I could I could win this, man. And I just took it day by day, fight by fight, and I ended up winning it, which is crazy. Still crazy, man. I still can't believe it, to be honest. That is unbelievable. I've never heard of such story. Usually it takes months, years of preparation. You Yeah. <laughs> I, I guess you were just born with it, man. I mean, that's what it sounds like. Yeah, maybe, man, to be honest, possibly. <laughs> that That's crazy. So explain to the people what the uh, how, well, how the Golden Gloves uh, tournament is structured. How many fights do you have to take on every day or uh, how, how long is the tournament? Yeah, uh, well, the tournament starts in March, and if you make it to the finals, it goes all the way up until April, and uh, it just depends on, like, how many people are in the weight class. Like, when I did it last year, my first round I had a bye because I didn't have an opponent the first round. We didn't have enough people in the weight, so I only did 
four fights, but I mean, it's between four, five, or six fights before you get to the finals. It just depends on how many people are in the weight class. But yeah, I had four fights and then the final fight, so it's a pretty long tournament. And you fight about, it's just once a week. Like, you get a whole week rest, but you have to make weight each time. Like, each time you fight, you got to make the 152. So, like, if you, you can't really celebrate a win and start eating because you got to make weight the next week. So, it's, it was a struggle, but it was dope, man. So, uh, you brought up one of the biggest struggles, obviously, is keeping your weight throughout that entire yeah. month. What yeah, other dude. struggles? What what other struggles do you do you encounter as an amateur fighter? Uh, well, since I'm so new to the sport, man, the nervousness about getting into a fight with someone like you don't know their skill, like it's so much different from sparring. Like I spar studs, man. I got people in my gym. I I, used to, I sparred Golden Glove winners before I even did the Golden Gloves. So like you would think I would be like confident as hell to go in there and just beat whoever. But man, you don't know who like whose style you're going up against. Like you don't you never know who you're gonna fight, man. And it's just it really gets like the best of you sometimes, man. You, you, I get nervous as hell before I'm about to fight someone, man. But it's just something that's gonna come along with experience. I'll get used to it. But as of right now, other than the weight cut, just being super tense and nervous before a fight is a struggle. Yeah, that that has to be a, like you said. You are relatively new to to the sport. Yeah. Not not so much to the competition, but you are new to the sport. Uh, yeah. So. You bring up a lot of great points, and, and and you talk about the fighters that you've sparred. Yeah. Now, looking at the big picture, looking at Chicago as a as a boxing city, what do you think Chicago does well as a as a boxing city, and what do you think it lacks? Um. Well, I think what they do well is they have a they make good matchups, man. Like, cause you like you like. Obviously, there's not pros or anything, but you know which amateurs stand out at the weight classes, and they like they find the guys who are good and they make them fight each other. Like I've seen some good like matchups during the gloves last year, and even like regular shows that like aren't gloves, like not a tournament, they just schedule good matchups to watch and stuff. And the bad thing I would say, I'm not trying to sound bogus, but sometimes the judging could be kind of salty in Chicago. Like some fights are kind of bogus. Like they pick winners that didn't really win the fight. You know what I mean? I mean, same thing happens in the pros, but. You know, I mean, you can't really do nothing about that. He's got to go out there and fight. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. that would probably be the bad part. <laughs> yeah, the corruption is is everywhere. Sadly, for a sport that we yeah. love, and it it's just it's everywhere, and you can't really do much much about yeah. it. But uh, let me ask you this now: there's a uh, there's a guy now that we're talking about Chicago, just as a, as a boxing city. There's a guy by the name of Adrian Granados. I'm sure you're you're aware of who he is. Yeah, and, I've heard of him and and what he does. He's gonna fight on um on april the 20th he has a pretty big fight it's it, it's on fox so um do do you keep up with with what he does for example since he's the biggest reference right now to chicago in boxing do you keep up with what he does or uh, um, do you just do your own thing I, to be honest i kind of just do my own th- i've heard of him i watch like highlights of a lot of good boxers and stuff but i kind of just do my own thing man like to be honest like i'm a boxer but i'm more of a fan of mma like i watch a lot of mma more than I watch boxing. I mean, I did watch the Spence versus Garcia fight the other day. That was a good fight. Mm-hmm. But I would say that I don't really watch too much boxing, man, to be honest. I watch a lot of MMA. That's probably why my style is so weird. I kind of use, like, MMA kind of boxing, like, with my footwork yes. and stuff. <laughs> I noticed do. that in myself, too. Yeah, like, I feel like I should start watching more boxing. But, I mean, yeah, I don't know, to be honest. Yeah, man. You 
you hit it right on the head. You know yourself very well. You yeah. definitely switch stances like an MMA fighter or like an MMA boxer. You, you do so. Uh, I mean, I know that you're competitive, and it sounds like you're competitive. Why didn't you just take on MMA instead of just taking boxing? Yeah, that's true. Um, probably, I'm going to get to that for sure, But because when I signed up for the gym that I went to, the three-day class, the first class I took was a boxing class. And I knew I was really, like, my first day doing it, I was so rusty and stuff. Like, I wanted to get that, like, down and, like, perfected before I moved on to something else. So I just want to get my boxing, like, like perfect. And then I'm going to move on to maybe, like, kickboxing, jiu-jitsu, and then add it all together. And eventually, maybe try some MMA. But right now, I still got a lot of work to do in boxing. So I'm trying to get at that still. Do you plan on going pro in boxing, or do you just want to do this as an amateur? Uh, I would want to go pro, but I, I need a lot more experience than the amateurs. So if I could get a bunch of wins and maybe get more accolades, like a couple more golden gloves or power gloves or something like that, I would definitely consider going pro. Yeah, that would be a smart move for me. I, I know I might be going a little bit uh, too fast here, but what weight would you want to fight at since you said that, that you were fighting at 152 here in the golden gloves? Uh, how, how do you see yourself? How, how tall are you? You know, uh, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm 6'1", man. So oh, making that 152 yeah. is oh, super man. hard. Yeah. Like, I, I'm a skinny guy, you know what I mean? But the taller you are, the more weight you got on you, the more bones you got on you. Mm -hmm. So, like, I have to, it's a brutal weight cut for me, man. That's why, like, I've been trying to move up a weight, but then, like, I need to get the muscle to move up a weight class. So I've just been sticking at 152. But it's a, yeah, man, it's a hell of a weight cut. That's for sure. Wow. 6'1". Yeah. I mean, you, you did play basketball, so it makes sense that, yeah, that yeah. you would be that tall man you are just an overall just a natural athlete that that's awesome uh, a couple more questions here before i let you go man um where do you see yourself in five years if i were to tell you um i don't know uh you're gonna be you're gonna be making your professional debut or you're gonna have like five professional fights already under your belt do you think that's crazy or what do you see yourself doing in five years Man, I can see that happening, to be honest. I could definitely see that happening. Because right now, I'm not in school or anything. I tried going to school. It wasn't really for me. Um, I just need to really, in my opinion, like, I haven't even started, like, the legit training, like, to go pro yet. You know what I mean? Like, I've just been doing, like, every here, every other day I'm at the gym, like, getting this workout in. But if, once I really, really take it serious, I could Because I already have the natural talent. Like, I've been told by my coaches and stuff I have talent. I just really need to put in the work, and I could definitely see myself in five years going pro if I just, like, really took the time. And I should do that right now. Like, I'm making a lot of excuses. I should start right now and just go for it. And that might be the move, man. Five years, you could probably see me on TV fighting someone. That's for sure. I admire the confidence, man. Um, we were we also talked about your other interests, and you talked about MMA, and you talked about all of that. So uh, here on, on the show, we talk about MMA all the time. Uh, UFC, Bellator, everything. Who's your favorite yeah. MMA fighter right now? Right now? Like, current MMA fighter? Yes. Well, I don't know if he's current because he hasn't fought in a while, but I would say Nate Diaz, man. I love the Diaz bros. Those are the, <laughs> those guys are badass, man. And I mean, I like McGregor, too, but he's kind of falling off. I like a lot of guys. Khabib. I like George Masvidal. He had a sick KO the other day. I like the real fighters. Like, Masvidal and the Diaz bros, those are legit to me. Those guys, like, they come to fight, man. They're not point fighting. Like, they're going to try to hurt someone, man. That's how a fight should be. Like, I know it's a sport, but at the same time, man, a fight's a fight. And I like real fighters like that. Like, the Diaz bros and Masvidal would probably be my picks. Hey, Masvidal, he might have just bursted onto the scene once again. Yeah, dude. He, yep. he might just, he might just have made his, his 
his case for to sure get that, that against Buckley two too man Darren yeah. two is legit man that was a nice KO bro yeah, I've been on record saying that Darren Till's one of my favorite fighters. He still is, but he he hasn't yeah. really modified his game ever since that loss. Against yeah, he, he kind of fights with his hands really low. He needs to fix that a little bit, but and yeah, he's still legit, man. High. Yeah, yep. <laughs> yeah, he got caught. He got caught and put to sleep, man. That was yep. That was brutal. brutal. Yeah. All right, man. Well, I appreciate your time. Thank you very much. I know. Yeah, man. Thanks. That you have a class. Uh, yeah, I have a boxing minutes. class soon. Yeah, I do. So, in about an hour. There you Get go. Get that work in. <laughs> there you go, my man. All right. Do you want to give people your social media so they can follow your journey to the to the pros or as you cruise through the amateurs? Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, my Instagram is King Curso. It's just King and then my last name, Curso, K-R-S-O. Follow that. All right, for sure. Thanks a lot, my man. I appreciate your time. All right. Thank you, man. Peace out, bro. All right, guys, and that should do it. I would like to thank the guests that came into the show. Mike Strauss, Edon Curso, Nick the Lambdeus. Thank you all. You can follow them on Twitter. I will leave the links on the description of the show so you can go follow them. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all their work, everything. It was a very interesting episode. We got some wrestling in. You see, I told you guys. I told you that we were going to talk about wrestling, and what better time to do it than WrestleMania season. There. I kept my promise. I am a man of my word, and I did it. (laughs) Thank you very much for listening. Remember to follow the show on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at Dirty Brawlers. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. That is highly appreciated. That's how our numbers go up. That's how we grow. We will have an even better episode in two weeks. So, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you all take care. I hope you all enjoy the fights. If you're somewhere cold, stay warm. If you're somewhere warm, stay cool. I appreciate you all. Thank you very much. Take care. Goodbye.